you were able to pause and just simply look back over your life, what would your answers be to this very simple question? Question is, what have been your favorite moments so far? Take some time. What have been your favorite moments so far? Did you have some favorite moments when you were a child, growing up? About when you were a teenager? Did you have some moments that you remember fondly when you would get in trouble with your friends? What about when you moved on to college and you were in that dorm room with those roommates? Maybe you have some fond memories as a parent watching your kids grow up, watching them grow. Maybe you're currently in that stage. Or maybe you're towards the end. You've raised your children and now you're getting to spend time with the little ones, your grandchildren. What are your favorite moments in life? You see, the things that are going on in our country today remind us specifically to value the time that we have with others. It's not been a simple situation lately for us. And this, this moment that we have now to stop and think is a moment that we should take in the things that matter most to us. It's during times like these that we remind ourselves to cherish the people we have in our lives. And that includes also those that are no longer with us that may have left an impact in our lives. You see, the question regarding memories may actually bring you joy or it may be bring you sadness as you no longer get to spend the time with those that were a part of your favorite memories or moments of life. But I wanna have something for you today. This one moment, this one moment that actually has defined all of history. It's a moment unlike any other. This moment has baffled scholars and given hope to the hopeless. The moment that I would like to talk about today is the resurrection of Jesus Christ the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the God who became man in order to rescue man from his sin. If you have your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24. We'll be looking at specifically three different responses to the news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These three responses are, were common back then, and interestingly enough, <laughs> there's still responses that many of us have even today. There are three specific responses that um, they had back then and three responses that even many of us have today. The first response we're going to look at, it's going to be verses 1 through 8, is the response of confusion when it came to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Response of confusion. Number two, the second response we're going to be looking at is the response of skepticism. Verses 9 through 11, skepticism. And the third response we're going to be looking at is the response of amazement in verse 12, where your mind is just absolutely blown by what has happened. 
So let's start off with the first response, the response of confusion, verses 1 through 8. It says, Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and other women with them came to the tomb preparing the spices which they had prepared. Bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. So, one of the things that is interesting here as we look at this text is that just as you and I so easily can be confused by what's going on in our world, what's going on in our nation, uh, and even what's going on uh, really with all of these things that don't make any sense. Why is it that we have the situation that we have currently? Who did what to cause this? Who's to blame? Well, in this situation here, the ladies that we find in this text, they came to do their due diligence for the Lord Jesus Christ in anointing his body. It was a ritual that was performed. And they were not expecting Jesus to have actually risen from the dead. In fact, coming on the first day of the week, this would have been the Feast of First Fruits on the Jewish calendar. This is the day we commonly refer to as Resurrection Sunday, or for many of us, Easter. In uh, Jewish terms, this is the day after their seventh day, the Sabbath. It would be uh, sunset Friday to sunset Saturday, if you will. And the day that we're referring to here is Sunday. Sunday. So we as Christians, sometimes we might refer to Sunday as the Sabbath, but we're, we're off on that. As, uh, as one author actually clearly spells it out, John MacArthur uh, spells this out clearly in his commentary. He says, all four Gospels state that the resurrection took place on Sunday. So all four Gospels clearly state that the resurrection took place on Sunday. And then he says, from then on, believers set aside Sunday to meet and to remember the marvelous resurrection of the Lord. And then it became known as the Lord's Day. So uh, if we refer to Sunday as the Sabbath, it's not exactly an accurate rendition. We know what we most usually mean by that, but according to the Jewish tradition, that would be the first day of the week would be Sunday, uh, not the Sabbath, which would be their Saturday. You see, these ladies, they came to the tomb very early in the morning and were completely confused. They were completely confused because the stone that guarded the tomb was actually moved away. This tomb was shaped almost like a small cave, and the body was placed in with the rock used as a door, if you will. So, as we look at other accounts, it's actually very clear during this time, actually previous, previously that evening and that early morning, um, they would have actually had guards that guarded this tomb to make sure that no one stole the body. 
and claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead. In fact, that was something they were actually afraid of, is that his followers would go around telling everybody that he rose from the dead. Interestingly enough, um, as the ladies actually arrive here, they're baffled at what just happened. Now, they're just absolutely baffled by it. Um, in fact, they take the time to look in the tomb, and they don't find a body in there. <laughs> they don't find the body. They're absolutely confused by all of this. Uh, you know, to, to make it even more interesting and confusing, I guess, um, they're met with angels who specifically ask them, um, and look at what they specifically asked them here in verse number five. In verse number five, it says this. It says, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen, but is risen. So these angels remind them, uh, <laughs> this is exactly what Jesus told you. I mean, they're reminded of the fact that this is exactly what Jesus had told them would actually happen. He told them that this would happen right after he was to suffer and die on the cross for sinful men. So, you're probably wondering, you know, I'm just as confused right now myself. You know, none of this really makes any sense to me. Um... I've heard a lot about Jesus. Um, I know I've done some bad things in my life. Um, and I don't really think, I don't think I really can knock what Jesus taught regarding being nice to people, um, loving others, doing good to them. I mean, those are all great things that Jesus taught, uh, but I'm just not sure I understand what the big deal is when it comes to the resurrection. Um, it's just so confusing. Well, the reason it's so confusing, uh, because it's because you and I, we, we forget that, um, we have a God who wants a relationship with us in the fact that we're sinful human beings. In fact, it says here that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. So, so to put it plainly, to, to maybe help clear up some of the confusion, those who crucified Jesus were not the only ones that put him on that cross. Uh, my sin, your sin, that's what put him on that cross. In fact, Scripture tells us that he became sin for us because our sin needed to be punished. You see, you have to understand this very clearly. God is a holy God, and he cannot just stand sin. He actually must punish sin. He's loving, but also holy. And as a loving God, he provided the solution by offering his own son to make the payment for us. So he didn't leave us hanging here. He actually provided the solution. If you're confused, you're not alone. Even those here that follow Jesus were confused about the resurrection. But as the angels reminded them, so we'd like to remind you as well. Jesus specifically said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is exclusive in his statement. He's telling you and me that he's the only way. Not only do some of us get confused, as we see here in the text, by the significance of the resurrection, but some of us also respond uh, with a different variation of a response. It's a very different response, if you will. It's the response of skepticism. A response of skepticism. That's the second response we're going to take a look at today in verses 9 through 11. It says this, it says, Then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven, and to all the rest. 
It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. Hmm. So, these ladies come back with a message to deliver to the disciples, to those men that Jesus spent a lot of his time with. And we see something very interesting here. <laughs> we see something very interesting here. Um, you would think that the disciples would be very excited, thrilled to hear the great news that Jesus was alive. But instead, these ladies, mm, they're met with skepticism. <laughs> the disciples didn't believe them. You see, here's what's interesting. These ladies, they actually connected the dots after they were told to remember what it is that Jesus had said about himself. They connected those dots. It made sense to them. Oh yeah, that's right. Jesus specifically said that he was going to rise from the dead. And the fulfillment of the Father's mission and the redemption of man was clear to them. Only after the angels had reiterated the point. As often happens when we are given incredible news that Jesus saves and that he rose from the dead, we respond with a slight or very strong skepticism. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I can believe this whole Jesus dying and rising from the dead. I mean, I'm not sure I can really buy that. I mean, I, I and some of you, you're probably response, responding with, well, I need more evidence. I need more evidence. Give me more evidence. And then maybe, maybe I'll take this seriously. You see, to the disciples, it actually seemed like nonsense. Or even that these ladies didn't even have a clue what they were talking about. <laughs> In fact, they said, Jesus? You know, no longer dead? <laughs> what? No. No, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. But it's no different than many of us today. You see, that may very well be you today. Your response may be, this sounds ridiculous, this whole resurrection story about a God man named Jesus dying for sin and rising again from the dead to prove that he is God. It just seems kind of far-fetched. I'm not sure I buy it. See, truth is, for many, it does not matter how much evidence is presented. You know, it'll never be enough. I mean, it doesn't matter how much evidence you present. It won't be enough to convince them. But Jesus even actually appeared to 500 at one time, as Scripture points out to us. By those eyewitness accounts, you know, most of us should be able to take them at face value, especially with even the deaths of the early disciples and the apostles themselves dying for what they believed. And that belief was that Jesus rose from the dead. As one author put it, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? You see, the issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. See, 
All of this, all of the things we're talking about, has to be taken by faith. And that faith is demonstrated in a rejection of your preconceived notions of who you think God is and just believing him at his word. And by believing him, you're agreeing that what Jesus did matters more. It's more than just a simple crutch to get through life so it goes easier for me with all the crazy that's going on around me. But it's something that provides hope in the face of the reality of death that we all face each and every day. Now you have a choice. You can respond in confusion or even skepticism when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Or there's one other response. This last response that we're going to be looking at. The response of amazement. The third response, amazement. We're going to look at verse number 12 here. Very simple verse, but gets right to the point. And look at this response here. It says, But Peter, one of the disciples that was actually skeptical, it seems, But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, and stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves. And he departed, marveling to himself at what had happened. You see, from what we can see here in the text, Peter, though he was skeptical at first, says, you know what? I'm going to find out. I'm going to find out if this is true or not. And he doesn't just take off walking. He runs to the tomb to see if it's true. He wants to make sure that what the ladies were telling him was actually a fact. After looking at the evidence, Peter couldn't argue that nothing happened here. Something did happen. The evidence of Jesus no longer being in the tomb was clear. It was very clear. All that was left in the tomb was the body wrap, if you will, the linen clothes. You see, I have something that I really would love to share with you today. You've got an incredible opportunity today for new life. And that new life is only found in Jesus Christ. So my question to you, what is it that's stopping you? I mean, is it confusion? You're just confused by this whole thing? Doesn't make sense? Or is it skepticism? I don't think so. Or are you amazed? You just, you just can't believe that something this incredible could happen for an undeserving sinner just as your, such as yourself. What amazing, amazing news. So in conclusion, there's one question I want to ask. There's one question I want to ask you today. In regards to the greatest moment in human history, what is your response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What is your response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Are you confused? It's just not making sense that someone like Jesus would willingly die and rise from the dead. It just seems so strange that God would come to die for us. Well, 
If you're confused, let me encourage you to read the book of John and ask God to show himself clearly to you. Start there. Or message us. Or maybe you're the skeptic. You know, <laughs> I don't know. That seems like a really odd way to save the world by dying on a cross. I mean, I'm actually doing quite well. You know, apart from the stuff going on in the world, I'm doing quite well without a savior. Maybe sometime in the future, I'll revisit this whole Jesus thing. Well, let me warn you about something. Scripture actually tells us in Proverbs. It's a, it's a passage all of us need to be reminded of. It says that, They that seek me early shall find me. Those that seek the Lord early. Don't wait. You're not guaranteed a tomorrow. As all the things you see going on, that doesn't just apply to skeptics. That applies to all of us. We're not guaranteed tomorrows. See, in order for us to stand amazed, we must turn from sin and turn to Christ in repentance. By changing our mind about sin and realizing that we can't do anything to deserve grace and mercy. But Jesus, he willingly offered it on our behalf. You simply need to ask God to forgive you. And by faith and obedience, start making God's word a priority in your life. And start praying. Not just on Sundays. Every day. Now, you're wondering, maybe, I don't really know. I don't know where to start. Well, let me encourage you to visit our webpage. We've designed that with you in mind. Click on the Discipleship tab under what we believe. And you'll find something that's easy for you to follow. It's a Bible reading program that we've developed in our church. Jump right in with us this next week. You see, here's what's incredible. Your new life in Christ can start today. It can start right now. You can have hope in this life and the next today. What are you waiting for? You can stand amazed at what it is that Jesus has done for you. As a final word to you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest moment in human history. And you and I get the chance to partake by trusting in his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead.